listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. So I was having dinner last night with uh, uh, my wife and two daughters. And um, as, as most of you know, my wife and I are, you know, going through a process of separation and so forth. And uh, uh, while it's awkward and uncomfortable once in a while, for the most part, it's been this really amazing new chapter that we've both been kind of, uh, kind of experiencing, kind of walking into. Um, uh, and and the, the girls, after they had finished... They, of course, decided to put on a dance show. And so Allie and I were then sitting next to each other watching, watching the girls put on this little dance show from the, from the dining room. And uh, she said, uh, so how's it going? And I said, oh, it's going actually quite, quite well. How about you? And she says, it's going well. How's it going with your friends? And I go, oh, you mean like our situation? And she said, yeah. And I go, pretty pretty." pretty well actually you know um everybody's sad i think they have more of a difficult time maybe with our slow but sure kind of separation than than uh you and i do and she she kind of rolled her eyes and goes god isn't that the case she says everyone sees this through their own lens everyone sees us through their own lens and i was like yeah yeah it's it's very hard and and she said it is but you know, this is the, the conversation kind of obviously involved more than this, but for the most part, it was this beautiful kind of uh, coming together, this recognition that she and I will love each other for the rest of our days. We are best friends and the world's worst roommates, you know? Yeah. And we both recognize that. Um, and that these girls, these precious little beasts, uh, are, they are the focus of this of this work that the uh, that the, the the clinging to each other or to the relationship destroys it instead what we do is support the opening of all of our consciousness and um it's a bizarre thing and she said she was in that very discussion with a very close close friend of ours who was saying you know well the enlightened thing to do would be to stick this out and, and I said, oh, so what did you say uh, to my wife? I was really curious, you know, what she'd say. And she said, the enlightened thing to do is to let go. Sometimes that means letting go of the relationship. Um, and so it was just, it was a really neat kind of, kind of uh, recognition of how the practice can really help support us, each other. Community. Individual, couple, family, things, things of that nature. There are also examples of when practice goes out the window. Now, just to disabuse you of any and all notions that uh, uh, just because somebody might sit up in front of people on a cushion that they do everything right all the time, guess again. Um, I had an amazing uh, uh, situation of idiocy on my part today when a uh, very, close, very close friend... Um, uh, she 
she has this tendency to uh, throw out uh, giant emails, you know, to lots and lots of people. And I get upwards of 70 to 80 emails a day. And I have a filter. This is just a word to the wise. If it is forwarded, I never see it. If, if you ever forward me anything, I'll never get it. It goes away because I'm not interested. <laughs> I might be, but as long as it's out of sight, it's out of mind anyway. So if it's forwarded, it's gone. But on this particular, this particular email, there's this slew of us that were, we, were given, we were given this thing, and it just, it just kind of annoyed me. And so I, I, took, I took several of the names off the list because I wanted to respond to just a couple of people on this particular mass emailing about how, oh boy, this, this, this kind of annoyed me. And so I took all the names off, and then I wrote this very silly, inappropriate uh, response that was uh, um, uh, fairly judgmental and graphic. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and then I hit send. It got forwarded. It got forwarded to her. Uh-huh. And I felt like such a tool. You know, it's like damn, I should have meditated 20 more minutes this morning or something. What what the hell was that about? What was that about? What was that story about? What did I find in that exchange or in that email uh, that that came to me that felt dangerous or that prompted kind of this uh, acerbic witticism? And it was the most amazing Dharma teaching I've had in months. Now, fortunately, um, uh, this young lady had the, uh, the chutzpah to fire back and say, sorry that I pushed some buttons. Mm-hmm. Ping! Ooh! <laughs> Got me. Nine bows to her. Okay? She reminded me in the most beautiful way that this practice does not stop. It does not end. Okay, that for each and every one of us, what's most important is that we listen very carefully to what's going on inside. I was given this great opportunity to explore what it was that had been tweaked in me. And more than anything else, that whole situation was about the relationship I had with my wife. But it took some stillness. And it took... Uh, I mean, I I felt horrible about this, and I let her know, um, uh, you know, that this was, was, you know, an inappropriate response at best. So, my point here is to support in each of us a recognition of what we might feel is dangerous. What do you feel is dangerous when somebody throws something your direction and you respond to it with fire, with vitriol, with anger? It's because you feel it's dangerous. It's because there's some type of fear that's been elicited. That is exactly what happens every time you throw anger somewhere. It's because of fear. Every time you feel guilty, 
It's that spear of anger that's going inward. What's dangerous? That exploration, the gift that was given to me in that little email, okay, um, was so profound, such a profound teaching. So think about this. What's dangerous? What do you find to be dangerous? What scares you? Because that's, that's the yellow brick road of this practice. Okay? That's what we follow. It doesn't have, mean you have to indulge danger. <laughs> you know? Just because you find a great white's dangerous doesn't mean you have to do the Golden Gate Bridge swim. You could. It's fun. But it's not something you have to do. What is it that you find is dangerous, especially the sticky stuff within? It's golden. It's golden. Uncover it. So tonight as we sit, if you can just be very, very present, very, very present with what's going on, with where there is fear, where there is anger, where that negativity arises, because that negativity as I've mentioned before, continually points us home if we are fearlessly willing to take that path. If we're willing to follow where it leads us, even though we don't know where it's going to go. That on some level we have to trust this practice, trust that it will carry us in the very direction that we want most to go. That if what we really want is peace, We've got to stop going to war with ourselves, with others, with our culture, with somebody else's culture. Can we do that? I would argue that we can. And we're constantly given opportunities to do so. So let's do that for just 30 or so minutes. So I heard it described once that meditation is the loosening of an individual's consciousness into universal awareness. I'll say that again. Meditation loosens an individual's consciousness into universal awareness. There's this great, um, really thick read. We spoke about thick reads last, last week. I guess we discussed Finnegan's Wake, how not to touch it. Guess what I've been doing all week? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's just so impossible, but it's so amazing. Anyway, um, I came to look at Finnegan's Wake as Joyce um, attempting to describe uh, the subconscious. So it's a lot easier now because now I can just let it go. You know, it doesn't matter what he's saying and it's all, it's just, you know, <laughs> I still don't necessarily recommend it, but, uh, uh, and the, the, another time that I had a really, uh, interesting experience like that was when I started reading the, uh, uh, 
equally impossible Lankavatara Sutra. But there's this great, there are a few great lines in it. One of them I've, I've spoken of before is, things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. That's a good one. It puts us into the ultimate and into the conventional in the same comment. It's not this, not that is another way of describing that, which is at the core of teaching. Because if it's not this, if it's not this and it's not that, what is it? The great question. And when we let questions guide us, suddenly the practice just takes off. And so this is a, a note to anybody who's kind of starting or has been doing this a little while, or if you feel like you've kind of hit a plateau in your work, find the question. Find the question. The minute you start asking the questions is the minute the practice really, really begins to expand. So I, I highly, highly recommend that. All right? So the Lankavatara Sutra says, it's, uh, you know, things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. It also says quite beautifully in relationship to what I spoke of earlier here with the idea that meditation is the loosening of an individual's consciousness on universal awareness. It said consciousness is the awareness of awareness. Consciousness is the awareness of awareness. So in other words, everyone in this room is aware you're aware of the temperature. You're aware of the glare off of my scalp, probably. <laughs> You're aware of um, maybe what I spoke of earlier, what feels dangerous to you. You're aware of annoyance. You're, you're aware, right? But when you become aware of that awareness, now we've got what we call consciousness. And consciousness fuels soul. Okay? So we can tend to look, and I'm just throwing these definitions around. If you don't like them, that's fine. You can ditch them. But they, I think they're kind of helpful in the way that we're approaching this uh, particular avenue of the teaching. When we start looking at kind of a common lexicon, a common way of speaking about our experience, when we can talk about consciousness, we're talking about something that tends to be personal. When we're talking about awareness, it tends to be impersonal. And that move from the personal into the impersonal is when we loosen from an individual consciousness to a universal awareness. And in that universal awareness, we find tremendous freedom. In that universal awareness, we actually find that things are so loose, that things are so open, that we are free. So if on any level you could consider yourself not free, maybe it's memories, maybe it's pain, you know, it's emotional, maybe it's a body that's starting to give way, maybe it's a relationship that's shifting gears radically, there's grief, if there's pain, okay? Universal awareness gives us a deeper perspective on all of that stuff that alights an individual consciousness. Meditation allows us to create a perspective, allows us to rest in a freedom and view our bondage. Maybe there's a fear that you have. Maybe there's a fear 
brewing within you that you might not be up to the task for something. That something might not end well. That there is some looming situation that's going to knock you. Or someone you love. All of this stuff, our individual consciousness deals with this. But when we loosen that individual consciousness and open to a universal awareness, suddenly we have a different perspective. And that different perspective allows for us to rest in freedom as we watch our bondage. So, stilling ourselves physically and then watching our mind allows for this watcher, I always talk about it in these terms, so forgive if they bore you, but allows for this watcher to exercise. It allows for the seer, if you will, to build its muscles. We become spiritual athletes. Okay? We work out. If you don't like that metaphor, we practice. We, it's like practicing violin. Like practicing the guitar, piano. We become an instrument. You talk to most virtuosos, and they don't feel the instrument typically. I believe it was Yo-Yo Ma who was talking about how the cello just becomes his depth. I thought that was really cool. It becomes his depth. And if you've heard him play, when he loses himself, it's just the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful thing. So what would happen if we could play ourselves like Yo-Yo Ma can play his cello? What happens if that type of musicality, that type of throughway from individual consciousness to universal awareness was readily available at any point in time? It actually is. Okay? It is available to us at any point in time as long as we are totally there for whatever point in time it is. And then the non-secret here is that that point in time is right now. Meditation allows for us to fully embody that now. And you can do this right now as you're listening to me. Are you right here, right now? Can you feel your body? Can you feel where you're tense? Can you feel your face right now? Is your brow knitted? Or is it open? Can you feel your heart? Is it an open heart? Or is it shrinking away from fear of further damage? Checking in like that is actually allowing for universal awareness to begin to scope out our individual consciousness. We allow this watcher, this seer, this witness to become our center of gravity, psychologically and spiritually, and offer us a greater, more, uh, shall we say, a wider path to freedom. Remember, um, remember in the <laughs> yellow, yellow Brick Road, remember in Wizard of Oz when she's going from that little spiral 
and it goes out. I always thought that was so cool that it started in this very tight spiral, but then it became expansive, just like any type of spiral, whether it's a double helix or it's the Milky Way, it opens. And that's exactly kind of what happens to us as we loosen tightened individual awareness onto universal awareness or individual consciousness, boom, into universal awareness. We open. And being there, we still can play ball. Okay? We can still live in the world. In fact, we can live in the world with uh, uh, a greater a greater focus in many respects. We can live in the world from a place of deeper, more profound love that is no longer bound by the negotiation of ego. So, as... Uh, as we kind of look at this, and I'm going to, you know, just give you guys a, just a little bit to work with here. Um, consider the things that occur when you sit still. Um, when I first started, and I know that a lot of the people that I was sitting with when I began, we all kind of had the same reason. Well, I feel, feel better, feel calm, you know. And for those of us with bizarrely rich cases of ADHD, this was a good thing. You know, feel a little bit more calm. I uh, uh, feel like, like we can move through the world with greater clarity. That's kind of nice. We feel good when we meditate. Um, it became a source of safety. No matter what I was going through, I would always, I was sitting still at the same time every day. It became this structurally profound thing that I quite uh, I leaned on okay this is a very natural development but there comes a point when that begins to uh, kind of fall away in fact what you'll find is as you get going in this if there is a point when you realize oh okay that 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 high that I used to get sitting still is given way to kind of a profound opening towards pain discomfort grief negativity and once again, this is because your individual consciousness has been loosened. Okay? Ego can no longer, you know, kind of grasp on to what's happening. And so as a result, stuff starts to pop and feel, it feels like it's flying loose. So this is something to kind of be alive to. I would also say if this is happening, this is a really good sign. <laughs> it means it's working. Okay? Because when stuff can come up for us, okay, when stuff can come up for us in meditation as we loosen the individual tightening onto the universal awareness, what that does is it mysteriously opens us to what is constantly working to come down onto us. In other words, stuff that is beyond the body and beyond the mind is constantly being thrown at us. Awakening, enlightenment, bliss, love. All these things are always already there waiting to touch us if we're ready to receive. 
And the ready to receive usually happens after there's been a degree of tenderization, just like meat. You have to pound it out before it can really take on the seasoning. And that's exactly what we do as we begin to loosen individual consciousness on universal awareness. So being ready for whatever message the universe wants to sing through us oftentimes happens as this discomfort begins to arise. The discomfort arises, the gift descends, and in that explosion, we awaken. But this takes courage. It takes a degree of faith. I don't know if I can do this, but that person sitting there is working hard, and that person sitting there is working hard. And we steal ourselves up a little bit and keep going a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. And over time, it tends to open us through us. Simple, but not easy. But it's at the core of this work. So, one of the things that we can look at here as, we, as this stuff kind of loosens in us. Watch, we talked about danger. What feels dangerous to you? Where is it that you find safety from that danger? Bizarrely, one of the places that the human mind tends to find safety in the face of danger is by continually seeking out new threats. As long as you have a series of stories about threats, you can then be afraid. And if you are afraid, your ego is in charge. And guess what's ha- what happens to that invitation from above? It can't meet squat. Or it can, but it's like it's deflected. It's this amazing kryptonite or something. So consider culturally, in your day, how often are you given messages that say the following in some way, shape, or form? Be afraid. Be very afraid. Okay? If you hear that and you buy into it, to a greater or lesser degree, what you're doing is you're allowing the, uh, the threats themselves to inculcate a certain familiarity within your individual consciousness. Okay? And in doing so, what do we do? We build the wall. All in all, they're just bricks in the wall. <laughs> That's to all my Pink Floyd fans. But it's really true. We build these walls. Okay? Separation. Be on guard. So, threats give the ego uh, all, sorts of, all sorts of stuff to work with. They give it fuel. Okay? And... Uh, my recommendation is to recognize what's at the core of the threat. 
recognize what feels dangerous. If you can identify, and that's not to say that there is no danger, okay? It just depends on your perspective. It depends on the lens that you're looking through, okay? Of course there is danger. Being smart about that danger and your relationship to it, I think is what really this helps to, helps to unpack. If you are in a situation, for instance, where you're, you are bodily at risk or you're emotionally in an abusive situation and then you suddenly look at it like, oh, well, this okay, this is okay because I'm a meditator and therefore this, this, uh, um, these threats, I, I've developed a certain comfort around, I'm cool with it now. That's not awakening, okay? That's like idiot awakening, awakening for dummies or something. That's not, that's not where you want to be. What we want to do is accurately assess whether or not the choices we're making are leading to greater consciousness or a decrease in consciousness. Paradoxically, greater consciousness leads to automatically greater generosity. And greater generosity leads to greater consciousness. So I know I've kind of flown all over the place here, but uh, watching very, very carefully how comfortable you feel with threats, how comfortable you feel like ensconced in danger, okay, is a really, really powerful practice. Recognizing fully that the more you meditate, the more you loosen your individual awareness, or individual consciousness, I should say, on universal awareness, once you kind of can begin to rest in that universal awareness, fear, your sense of danger, all of that stuff begins to ease a little bit. And then choices can be made just like a grown-up. Instead of the kid who's afraid, you suddenly are, are somebody who's had more wisdom kind of unpack itself through you. And the choices you make can be continual reflections of love and generosity for self and other. This is peace. This is peace. <laughs>